0: Tonight, we're starting a brand new message series. It's based off a book by a pastor named Craig Rochelle called Christian Atheist. And you might hear that and be like, Christian Atheist, what in the world does that mean? Let me explain to you. According to a recent survey in America, our country, three out of four people believe in God. Three out of four people. You've got four people. Statistics show that three of those people believe in God. And about seven in 10 actually believe that Jesus is the son of God or that he's God's son who came into this world. But when we look at how people live today, I think that we could all be honest and admit that seven out of 10 people are not really living a life that reflects the teachings of Jesus. Wouldn't you say that, if you looked at your school, like if you, wouldn't you say that seven out of 10 people wouldn't actually be following the teachings of Jesus? I I don't think so at all. How many of you would think that's probably true? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While the majority of Americans believe in God, the truth is so many of us live as if God doesn't exist at all. And that's the definition of a Christian atheist. This message series is not going to be us making fun of atheists. In fact, I know a lot of atheists who are actually decent nice kind people who do good things in the world so this isn't really a shot at atheists per se this is a shot at christians who live like god doesn't even exist so we're going to look at a verse to kind of set the tone for the series it's titus chapter one and the backstory is Paul is describing people who were very rebellious in how they lived. He says these people are full of meaningless talk. In other words, they talk a lot about faith. They talk a big game, but their actions are totally different. So the verse is Titus 1, 16. Are you guys, is anyone reading it? Raise your hand if you're looking at it right now. Anybody? Come on. Does anyone have their Bibles? Yeah? Okay, a few people. Okay. Well, I respect that. So Titus chapter 16, it says they claim to do what? If you're reading with me, let's say it out loud. They claim to know God. They say, yeah, we know God. We believe in God. They claim to know God, but by their actions, what do they do? By their actions, it says they what? Deny. They deny him. They claim to believe in God, but by their actions, they deny him. So we're gonna do this in four messages, messages, four, <laughs> four messages. Um, the first one tonight is we're gonna be talking about people who believe in God but they don't actually know Him. The second week we're gonna be talking about people who believe in God but don't actually fear Him. That's gonna be a really important message. The third message is we're going to be talking about people who believe in God but they say I don't want to go overboard about that Jesus stuff. And the fourth week it's going to be people who believe in God but don't trust in Him fully. We'll probably do the last message the first week of December. So I want to start about, or I want to start out, um, by telling you guys that this series is all about not being a Christian atheist, but the opposite: how we cannot live like a Christian atheist. We, how we cannot live, live I can't talk tonight, oh my gosh. how we cannot live like someone who believes in God but lives as if He doesn't exist. So today's message is, I believe in God, but I don't really know Him. Here's an illustration. Years ago, I believed in Brooklyn, but I hey, there she is. Years ago, I believed in Brooklyn, but I did not know here. Here's what I mean by that. I believe she existed. Like I believed like, yeah, somewhere out there. There's a girl for me, like I believe in her, like I believe that she exists. I, for a time, I didn't believe in her because I thought I was gonna die alone forever and ever. Like You guys know that, that one meme that's that forever alone guy with like the enlarged swollen head and he's crying. Like that was just me forever in high school, and junior high, tried to get dates, like was rejected every single time. You guys have all heard me talk about it. I had one girl I asked to a dance and she literally laughed at me, teehee, and ran away. And I was crushed. For life. So there's a time where I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to crawl into a cave and die alone. Like, that's what Christian guys do, right? We just die alone. (laughs) But eventually I trusted God and I believed that out there somewhere was a beautiful, amazing, smart, caring, kind, godly girl for me. So I believed in Brooklyn, but I didn't actually know that she existed. I prayed for her. I said, Lord, I pray for my future wife. I pray that you protect her and keep her safe and and bless her. But if someone were to ask me, Aaron, tell me about your future wife. I'd be like, I got nothing to say. I don't know her. I didn't know Brooklyn yet. I'd have nothing to say. I believe she existed out there, but I didn't actually know her. Then one day I met her. Her. and it was like I got saved it was like a different kind of salvation I got saved from a boring depressing single life uh, if you're single I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to diss you. I'm just saying for me at the time, my life was pretty pathetically terrible. I, I was really obsessed with puppet shows and I, my hair was grown out so long in front of my face. I had like gnarly bangs and I lived in my room like it was a cave and I was so antisocial. So I'm not saying to be single is something you need to be saved from. I'm saying for me to be single was something I needed to be saved from. Um, I, I had a, yeah, I, I was messed up. Um, so <laughs> when I met Brooklyn, it was amazing. And, you know, in meeting her, so many good things have happened in my life like God has used her in so many ways. I feel like as a person, I've grown so much just by knowing her, not even by even being married to her, but just by being her friend. She's, she's blessed me so much. And you know, we've been married now for six years and I know her extremely well. When I walk into a room, there can be a bunch of other women in the room, but the only person I'm really interested in talking to is my wife, Brooklyn. Um, When she walks into a room, I'm immediately blown away by how cute and beautiful she is. I know the smell of her perfume. I know Her style of clothes. Um, I know what she's going to order at pretty much any restaurant. She's super consistent. If we go to Mexican food, she is going to get two chicken tacos with rice, beans, and always chips and salsa with queso if it's an option. If we're going to get sandwiches, always turkey, wheat, lettuce, cheddar cheese, and mayo. Simple but good. Um, In and out, she's going to get number two spread only with a seven-up soda on the side. And if it's Starbucks, she's gonna get a grande iced caramel macchiato with an egg and bacon breakfast sandwich, even if it's not breakfast at the time. So I know her very, very well. I also know that if I accidentally use her towel after a shower, she pretty much thinks I'm Satan. Um, (laughs) The same as if I touch touch any food in the house without washing my hands, I am also the devil. And (laughs) every night before bed, uh, I'll be like sitting in bed reading. And, and she comes into the room and she starts spraying the sanitation spray all over me and the bed. Even if a minute it, it gets in my eyes and I'm like, you didn't even warn me. She's like, you must be clean. So, and, but you know what? I'm very glad that she wants to keep me clean. Uh, because, <laughs> so the the truth is, even though... I know her well, I'm still falling in love with her and I'm still getting to know her. I still wanna know her more, I wanna know her better. And, And did you know that's the kind of relationship that God wants with you guys? God is not only a God who's the creator and sustainer of the universe, who holds everything together in his hands and without him the entire universe would collapse into a giant black hole. No, he is the God who created us, not just to entertain himself, he's the God who created us to love us. He wants a relationship with you, he created you for a relationship, he died on the cross, for you for a relationship. And and I wanna show you guys tonight kind of three different levels of believing in God. And these aren't really in the Bible, but they're just kind of my way of explaining it. So you're gonna see yourself tonight, guys, in one of these three categories. The first category is you believe in God, but you don't know him. And maybe that's some of you guys here tonight, and you might think, how can that be possible? We're here at church. Well, the Bible says that the demons actually believe in God and they shudder. They hear, you guys remember uh, in um, The Lion King when the hyenas were like saying Mufasa, and like the one, the one hyena is like, don't say his name, it's gonna give me goosebumps. Like, that's how the demons are. Like, they hear the name of Yahweh, like Mufasa, <laughs> and they freak out. So, demons believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but you know what? They don't have a personal relationship with him. Even though they believed in him, they don't really know him. Now you guys here tonight, you know, you guys may, some of you, be cultural Christians. Maybe your mom was a Catholic or your dad was a Baptist and you go to Christmas and Easter services. Or, or maybe you think, you know, I'm a Christian cause I'm an American or I'm a Christian cause I'm not a Muslim or some kind of other religion. Uh, for a lot of people, it's a cultural mindset, guys. I remember going to the Bible Belt, Oklahoma, and literally everyone there says they're a Christian. Like they're like sleeping around with boyfriends or girlfriends, dealing drugs, like just doing gnarly stuff. But they they are Christians because they're in the Bible Belt South and everyone says they're a Christian there. You know, there's there's some parts of America like I said the Bible where everyone thinks that and everyone just says they're Christians because their families have always said they're Christians and you know there's people out there who all around us they say yeah I, I believe in God I believe he's there but the question is and for you tonight if that's you here and you, you say yeah I believe in God I believe he's there the question is do you know him In fact, in 1 John 2, verses three through four, John had some very direct words to say about a real significant issue that's been going on since the beginning of time. He says this, we know that we have come to know God if we keep his commandments. He says, we have come to know that we know God if we keep his commands. Then he says, whoever says, I know him, I know God, but does not do what he says, what is that person? He says, they're a liar. If we say we know him, but we don't do what he commands, we're a liar and the truth is not in that person. So whoever says, I know God, but there's no fruit in their life. There's no sense of obedience. There's no sense of conviction or remorse when they sin. There's no transformation. It, then then maybe the spirit is not really in them. And you know, here's the thing, guys. It's not that we get to, it's not that we get God's favor by doing good things. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're like, I've got to impress God. I've got to get him on my good side. Kind of how it is with teachers sometimes or friends or even sometimes if you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, it's like, I've got to do things for them to get them on my good side, to, to have them favor me. With God, we don't get God's favor by doing good. But when we know the goodness of God, he does good things through us. If we claim to know God but our lives don't represent anything of the teachings of Jesus, we're lying in what we say about ourselves. Do you see what I'm saying? If we're going around claiming to be a Christian, but our life does not reflect at all the way of Jesus, then we're lying to ourselves and to everyone else about who we say we are. The tragedy is there are so many people who say, I believe in God and I do a lot of good things, and I know a lot about God, and there are some people who really even know a lot about the Bible, but they might even miss heaven by 18 inches. If we say we know God, but our life does not resemble Jesus, we are lying. There's a head knowledge of the things of God, but not a heart relationship with God, the way, the way that he wants to know us. Sometimes we know so much about God, but we're not really engaging in a true relationship with him. Again, it's not that we get the favor of God by doing good. It's that when we know the goodness of God, we do good things. It's an outflow of what God has put in our hearts. It's not the head knowledge of God. It's a heart relationship that we need. Jesus has some harsh things to say about this. And I don't wanna ever use verses like this as like a scare tactic to get people saved. Like, oh, I want you to receive Jesus so you can not go to hell. Because that's a lot of times, like a lot of people get saved because they wanna get out of hell free card. They just say, I don't wanna to go to hell. You look at a fire pit like this and you're like, that would stink to be in there forever and ever and ever. I'd like to be not there so I will receive Jesus therefore so I cannot be burning forever and ever. It, there's so much more to it than that. Here's what Jesus says very plainly in Matthew 27. In Matthew 20, or in Matthew, sorry, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day. In other words, after our time is done here on earth, Lord, look, didn't we say prophecies in your name? And didn't we cast out demons and perform many miracles in your name? You know, some days or some people today might show up to heaven at the gates and say, you know, God, didn't we go to church? Uh, God, I went to camp back when I was 12. I got baptized when I was a baby. I I gave some money. I tried to do some nice things. I said some prayers. But then this is what Jesus says to these people who are like, we were casting out demons and doing miracles. Jesus says this in Matthew uh, seven. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I didn't know you depart from me. Guys, you might be in a place where maybe you try to do some good things or, or maybe you believed in God at one point, but you didn't have a relationship. I think maybe that's where some of you guys might be. You know, I I realized, I went to a youth workers conference recently and something that one of the people said there struck me. Um, He said, never assume that everyone in your youth group is doing 100% okay. Never just assume that everyone is walking with Jesus 100%. Because if you always teach messages where you just assume everyone's already saved, which convicted me, because that's what I normally do in this group. I just assume you're all saved because I've known you forever. I just assume you all follow Jesus 100% because I've known you since you were little kids. But I was convicted by this message because the guy said, if you always teach that way, there's going to be someone there who's not really walking with Jesus and you're not giving them what they need to get back on the track. So that's why I'm teaching this tonight because I think honestly, maybe some of you guys are right here. The first category was I believe in God, but I don't know him. The second category would be those who say, well, I believe in God, I know him, but I don't know him well. Maybe that's some of you guys here tonight. I believe in God, I've experienced him, but I don't know him intimately. I'll give you guys an example. You know, there's this band named Hanson. I know them. I know them. So my wife's favorite band, I'm gonna give you guys some backstory. Okay, so before I met Brooklyn, I had no idea about Hanson. I didn't know who they were. Like, I think I heard one song called Um Bop by them on the radio. Um, they were this 90s band back in the day, these little guys with long blonde hair, high pitched voices. I did not know much about them. So when I met Brooklyn, I didn't know anything about Hanson. And then was it before we got married or after that we went to our first show? Before we got married, so she's like, come see Hanson with me. And I'm like, whoa. Like, so I'm thinking I'm going to this concert, and there's these guys with long, blonde hair, like, singing songs from the 90s. I show up, and they're actually a really good band. They've grown up and matured and, like, grown beards, and just, like, they have wives and kids, and they're amazing musicians. Um, you know, but a lot of people just kind of compare them to, like, oh, it's, like, the One Direction of the 90s. Like, they kind of think of them as a boy band. They're totally not a boy band. They're just a band of males. Like, there's so many bands of males. They're, they're really good. Um, I'm... So I know them, I know them, okay? I just wanna tell you guys, I just wanna tell you guys, I know Hanson, let me prove it to you. I'll prove to you that I know Hanson. I know their lyrics. I know like all their song lyrics. Let me read to you guys, this is Umbap, they're, they're classic. Well, I just wanna get it 100% right. So Umbap, I'm gonna read you guys the lyrics. Oh, 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 yeah. You have so many relationships in this life, only one or two will last. You go through all the pain and strife, then you turn your back and they're gone so fast. Oh, yeah. And then they're gone so fast. Yeah. Oh. And then verse two this is a little line from verse two. You plant a seed, plant a flower, plant a rose. You can plant any of those. Keep planting to find out which one grows. It's a secret no one knows. Oh, no, no one knows. It's going to be a, <laughs> a daisy or a rose. <laughs> and then the chorus is just literary genius. Oombap, badupadap, dop <laughs> Badoopa dap, ba doopa, ba doopa dap, ba yeah. <laughs> now that's their first song, so they have grown much as musicians, and I love all their other songs. I actually really love that song too. I, I can actually, you can find me jamming after that song many times. I'm a fan. They, they call us fansons. If you're a fan of Hanson, they call you a fanson. So listen, listen. Not only do I know lyrics, I have spent time with each of the three Hanson brothers. So. The first time, see, Hanson has these things they do for charity at their concerts called walks. So um, what they do is you go down to downtown San Diego or downtown L.A., and um, for charity, everyone takes off their shoes, and you walk laps around the cities. In San Diego, that's rad. In L.A., super sketchy. Um, Like, don't step on needles. Um, But I did it with them. I I took off my shoes. I walked around, and I saw Zach Hanson. Zach's the little brother in the group. He's got long flowing. He's like, has the hair of a lion. And I knew that this band was one of Brooklyn's heroes growing up, and I was like, you know what? She's too shy to talk to one of her heroes, so I'm gonna talk for her. So I walked up and I was like, Zach Hansen, bro! He's like, whoa! And, and we talked, and we had a brief little conversation, and he wrote a little like, mini song about me and Brooklyn, and it was super cute, super fun. So that was, that was one guy. I talked to Zach Hansen. So then, about a, what's that? No, this is real. So then about a year or so later, we went to another concert. And I saw Isaac. Isaac is the older brother. He's tall. He's a goofball. He's rad. So I walked up to Isaac and I was like, Isaac Hansen, let's talk, bro. So me and Broken were talking to him. I started the conversation because, again, she's too shy. Um, so we were talking to this dude. And I was like, Isaac Hansen, what's your favorite type of music? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like a musician for a life. And he said he didn't know. But I was like, I don't even care. I talked to Isaac Hansen. So that's, that's number two. But Taylor is the leader of the band. Now, he's more elusive. You know, he, He's not really out and about with the people. He's the leader. You know, you, you can't really find him. Well, I found him in downtown Oklahoma, where they live. In downtown San Diego, I went into a coffee shop. And he was sitting there in the coffee shop. And I kind of creeped on him for a bit. I was sitting upstairs. He was downstairs and I was like, should I go take a picture with him? Like Brooklyn wouldn't want a picture of me with him. Couldn't like pretending I'm best bros with Taylor Hanson. So finally I went down and introduced myself. We had a nice little chat and I took a picture and I was like, I got all three of these guys pictures. I, I've posed a picture with them. I've talked to them. Now here's the question. I say, I know Hanson cause I've studied their lyrics and I, ha- and I know them cause I've talked to them. But if you asked any of these guys about Aaron Salvato, Hey, Taylor Hanson, what do you think about Aaron Salvato? Would they, would they be like, Oh, Oh, yeah, I love that guy. No, no, they, they wouldn't know me at all. They'd be like, who is that guy? Listen, I know Hanson, but I don't know them well. I've studied their lyrics. I've listened to all their albums. I've been to their concerts. I've had conversations with them. I have posed in photos with them. I've had their albums in my home, but does any of that mean I'm in a deep, intimate friendship with them? Does it? No, I'm just a fan. Like <laughs> I know Hanson, but I don't know them well. Now, does this sound like any of you? we're a generation of Christians who have shelves full of Bibles, multiple Bible apps on our phones. We own Christian music. We've been, we've been to camps and Christian concerts. We've said brief par- prayers. We've brief prayers. <laughs> we've said brief prayers when we're in trouble. We've gone to church, but does any of that mean we're in a deep friendship with God, an intimate friendship with God? For a lot of us, our relationship with God can be all smoke, but no fire. So the second group is, I know a lot about God, but I don't know him intimately. With Hanson, I was with them for a minute. I walked with them briefly, but I never knew them well. And there's so many people who walk with Jesus briefly. They get saved at a camp. I've seen this happen so many times, guys. Kids who, I remember there was this one girl... Man, like she was totally just falling away from God, went to a camp. God just rocked her life, revolutionized her heart. It was amazing. She was talking to me after camp, just crying like, I'm like, life's going to be different for me now. Everything's going to be great. I love Jesus. I want to follow him. I remember uh, she was posting on her Facebook wall, like poems she wrote to Jesus after camp. Three weeks later, after school started, she just got sucked right back into the world. Like just stopped coming to church, stopped coming to youth group, just, All of a sudden her posts on Facebook changed from being about Jesus to just basically trashy stuff, curse words, stuff about sex. Like just that That's that was who she became. That was what she identified herself with. I've seen so many people who walk with Jesus briefly, but they never truly get to know him well. How many of you guys does this describe? People who had an experience with God, you've called on him. Maybe you came forward during an altar call at camp. You've been informed about Jesus, but you've been yet to let him transform you. You've been informed by Jesus, but you've been yet to be transformed by Jesus. Or maybe you were transformed once in the past, but you've let the world change you back into its image when you're called to be an image bearer of God. If you're in this place, I'm not saying that you're not part of the family of God. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that your sins aren't forgiven. Maybe that's the case, but you know, the Bible says that it's through faith alone in Jesus that saves us. But what I'm saying is, maybe you know God, but you don't know him well. And in that case, I would say bluntly, because I love all of you dearly, maybe tonight you have a saved soul but a wasted life. In fact, one time Paul was talking to a group of people that were very well in this category. In Galatians 4 verses 8 through 9, Paul is talking to the church in Galatia and he says to them, formerly, when you did not know God, or in other words, you, you know him now, but you didn't know him before. He says, "Formerly, when you didn't know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. He said, now that you know God, and he kind of qualifies it by saying, or well, rather that you're known by God. It's like he's saying, you don't know him well, but you're known by him. So he says, now that you're known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? In another book, Paul says, when we return to those sins that enslaved us, we're like a dog puking up vomit and going back to it and eating it. It's disgusting. But it's something that I've done in my life, I'll be the first to tell you, gone back to old sins that once hurt me. Listen, I'm telling you, there are so many people in our group that I love so much, but I wanna say this, what are you thinking? You know God, but yet you're going back to the old behaviors that are very destructive to you and your relationship with the Lord. They hurt your testimony. It causes you to have to live in secret sin and hide things from your parents and from your friends and from the group. And it really weakens your relationship with God. Why do you turn back to the things that once enslaved you? Life is not good when you know God, but you don't know him well. Because when you truly get to know God, well, it doesn't mean that you instantly become perfect, but it means that you're in the process of being perfected. The more you get to know God, you become more like the image of Christ. The biblical word for it is sanctification, which is something that Scott talked about with us a couple Sundays ago. There are those who believe in God, but don't know him. And honestly, guys, that's some of you. There are those who believe in God and don't know him well. Honestly, guys, that's some of you. The third category are those who know God well. The third category is those who know God well. They believe in God, they know him intimately, and they serve him wholeheartedly. Now, for those of you guys who are in that category here tonight, you might not even be in a place where you feel like you would claim that. Like, oh yeah, that's me. I'm category three. I know God and I serve him wholeheartedly. I love him wholeheartedly because you know your sin and, and you feel guilty about it a lot of times and you feel like I'm not worthy to be in that category. Uh, you know what? Flaws and sins can never hold you back from being in that category. The only thing that can hold you back is you choosing not to be in it. Listen, if this third category is you, you'll, you'll start to recognize it. Because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna list some of the indicators of this third category. And if that's you, I just want you to take notice if I'm saying these things. If that's you, I want you to take notice and and have you realize, okay, this is me, I'm on the right path. If there's things in these categories that maybe I'm saying and you're like, oh, that's not me, then realize this is what we need to get on the path. Someone who, the third category, someone who believes in God, loves him wholeheartedly, and serves him wholeheartedly and knows him intimately is someone who believes it's someone who is used to the feeling and the presence of the holy spirit in their life that's the number one indicator someone who is used to the presence and the feeling of the holy spirit in their life it's someone who's learned to walk by faith and not by sight someone who when they sin they're legitimately convicted and they turn from their sin and they repent. It's someone who knows what it's like to wake up and say to God, God, I want whatever you have for me. Lead me today. If this is you, you're somebody who you see the hand of God working in your life all throughout the day. You can sense him in the conversations you have with people. He directs you to say things to people that you normally wouldn't say in your own strength. He directs you to reach out to people that you normally wouldn't reach out to. You sense his comfort when something happens in your life that's hard. You feel his supernatural peace when you go through storms and trials. You know what it's like to have the power of God in your life. And you truthfully say, I couldn't have done it without him. When you say, I couldn't have done it without God. you know it's true because you know your own weakness. If this is you, you know that God is the one who makes you strong. His word is a part of your life, not just things that you memorized once in Sunday school. His word is a part of your life. You live by the way of Jesus. It's hidden in your heart, but you still want more of it. You recognize God's word as fuel for your soul and food for your soul. You find worship, as a natural overflow of your daily life, it's not just what you do when you're singing songs at church. In fact, you realize that worship is actually the way that you live your life because it's a response to the gospel. Yeah. Just like when someone does an amazing trick on a skateboard, or, or or when somebody, or when we walk out of an amazing movie like The Force Awakens, what do we do? We leave worshiping. We say that was amazing. That was such a great trick, or that was such a great movie. Someone who's in this third category is talking about Jesus because they realize what Jesus has done in their life. They're responding to the gospel. You long for every part of your day to glorify God. You know, a lot of times we measure our day by how we feel or what we got done. We sit in our bed or we lay down in our bed at the end of the night and we say, what did I accomplish today? But someone in this third category is measuring their day, not by how they feel or what they got done, but by the question of how did I glorify God today? And it's not that you're perfect. It's not that you're better than anyone else. It's just that you've been walking with God. You know, for the last eight years, I've been getting to know my wife, Brooklyn, and I've been growing closer and closer to her. And I can tell you, honestly, legitimately, I'm not like, all right, I've got enough of her. Like everything should just stay the same. I want more of Brooklyn. Like I want to know her more. I want to learn more about her. I want to be surprised by her. I want our friendship to get better and better. I want more dates and just sitting across the table from her and having great conversations, and I'm planning on it because we're going to be married for life, um, and I'm betting on that. So I'm excited about that. Tell death do us part. Love you, Brooklyn. But you know, in the same way, for the last 27 years, I've been getting to know my God, and I want more. I want more of God. I love the imagery that David says in Psalm 63, verses one through four. Listen to what he says. This is Psalm 63, verses one through four. This is a man who loves God, a man who longs for God, a man who needs God. Listen to the intimacy of his language when he says in this one verse, he says, verse one, "'You are God, my God.'" He says, he's like, you're not just some God. You're not just any God, someone else's God. No, you're my God. He says, earnestly, I seek you. In other words, this is coming from the pit of his soul. He says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and desert land where there is no water. Oh God, you are my God. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and glory. I, he's like, I didn't just hear about it, God. I experienced it. I was there firsthand. I was in the sanctuary. For some of you guys, you might remember back to a moment in camp where you felt like you were in this presence and sanctuary of God before him during that worship. Guys, it's not just the last night of camp. He wants this for you all the time. He wants you to experience the presence. You just have to be open to it. And then he says this, David says because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you. He says in other words, you can't just stop me from giving praise. God's so great I won't stop talking about him. I won't shut up about him. It's like someone who does CrossFit. It's like please shut up about CrossFit. Like that. that's where David is here he said I will praise you as long as I live in your name I will lift up my hands this is a reflection of a person who's not perfect it's not a person who has it all together it's someone who knows God intimately and someone who's longing to serve him wholeheartedly he says God I long for you and earnestly I seek you that's so different from like yeah I I believe in God yeah Yeah, that's what people say. Do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe that there's a deity out there who's watching over us all. You know, I believe in God, but I don't know him. That's really what a lot of people are saying. I believe in God, but I don't really know him well. Is that you? I believe in God, but I don't know him. I believe in God, but I don't know him well. Or are you someone who believes in God, but you know him intimately and by his grace and through his spirit, you say, I will serve him wholeheartedly. How well do you know God? There's a great way to figure that out. What you call God is a great indicator for how well you know God. For example, most scholars believe David wrote Psalm nine. In verse Psalm nine, verse 10, um, he says this, those who know your name, everyone say that with me, Those who know your name. He says, those who know your name, what do they do? They trust in you. Those who intimately know the name of God, trust in God. Those who know your name, trust in you. Those who know your name, trust in you. For example, what you call me shows how well you know me. If you call me Mr. Salvado, we probably don't know each other very well. You're probably a telemarketer. I'm like, hang up. I don't want to talk to you. If you spell my name, E-R-I-N, we probably don't know each other very well, and we probably won't ever be friends because that's just lame. Uh, That's the feminine version of the name, guys. Today at Guajome Academy, I went to the Christian Club, and they gave me a little name tag, and they spelled it E-R-I-N, and I was like, do I look like a woman? A-A-R-O-N, masculine. Anyway, so... If you call me Pastor Aaron, you probably know at least a little bit about me. Like we probably just met and you're like, oh, he's the pastor of the youth group. I should probably call him Pastor Aaron. Anyone who's known me longer, you, you know that I don't like to be called that because that's just weird. Um, you might go to our church. You might be a part of the youth group. And you, so you call me Pastor Aaron, but you don't know me that well. My friends and my wife don't call me Pastor Aaron, as surprising as that might be. If you call me just Aaron, you probably know a little bit better. Like we're probably, you know, we're, we're tight. We're friends. You call me Aaron. But there's another level of friends um, that call me by my nicknames. I have some nicknames. One of them is Acorn Head because when I was in uh, elementary school, I had like a little clump of hair growing off the top of my head that resembled an acorn. So they called me Acorn Head. Uh, but none of my friends call me that because if they did, they wouldn't be my friends anymore because that's lame to call someone that. Um, <laughs> right up there with Christmas Hands. Anyway, um, some of my friends though they some of my friends call me Anne. Um, And that started back when um, me and some of my buddies, when we were in high school, we took a trip to Lompoc and there's this dude named Aaron Galvin. He was the brother of Landon Galvin. Everyone called him Ain. So then me and Aaron Frazee were like, one day people will call us Ain. So rad. And then we grew up, and people did. Because like, that just became what you called people named Aaron. Because like, I don't have any other good nicknames. So I became Ain. So like dudes who are very tight with me, uh, who I've known since high school, they'll be like, what's up, Ain? And then if you really know me, like if we've been through a lot, if we've been through like, like war together, you call me Cardboard Snake. Because <laughs> that was my code name. Okay, I, here's the backstory. If any of you guys have ever seen the stupid videos that me and my friends made called Secret Mission. Um, Secret Mission, that's how we talk in it. Here's the backstory. Um, we went, me and Trevor Daigle, when we were growing up, we went into a little Mexican thrift store and it was a dollar store and in the back of the store, in the very back, there were these plastic guns that shot these yellow pellets and they shot them so far, it was like a dollar. And on the gun, in glorious letters, it said, secret mission. And from that day, we knew that we were going to start a fake club of secret agents. It was just a stupid thing to do because we were supposed to be in photography class, but we blew it off and went to the Mexican dollar store. So anyway, we all came up with code names. I, I was thinking, okay, there's a video game called Metal Gear Solid, and there's different snakes. Solid Snake's the best. Liquid Snake's his twin brother. There's Solidus Snake. There's all these different snakes. Uh, what would be the worst snake? Cardboard Snake. So I became Cardboard Snake because I was the worst snake. So if you've been through high school with me and you've made stupid movies with me, you might call me Cardboard Snake. But there's only one person. This is kind of embarrassing, but there's only one person who calls me babe, and it's Brooklyn. It's not my mom. When I was little, maybe. When I was a baby, like, oh, it's a babe. But, uh, <laughs> but there's only, look at the babe in Yondo Crib. Um, but there's only one person who calls me babe now. If, if you guys start calling me that, I will kill you. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's only one person who's that close to me who gets to call me that. So What you call somebody determines how well you know them. Guys, what do you call God? What do you call God? Is he like, is he the big guy up in the sky? Is he the man upstairs? When you pray, do you pray to six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus? (laughs) It's It's from an old stupid movie. Some of you guys know him. Some of you guys know him as father. Listen, some of you guys know him as father. Some of you guys know him as savior because you know what he saved you from. Some of you guys know him as friend because he was there for you when no one else was. Some of you guys know him as healer because he healed you of something no one else could. Some of you know him as provider, comforter, master, Lord, King. What you call Jesus, how you think of Jesus. When you think of Jesus, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Is it just God, just deity? Or is it, he's my master, he's my king, he's my friend, he's my savior, he's my redeemer, he's my forgiver. Imagine, imagine how God must feel when he died on the cross for us. So not just so he could save us, so we could go to heaven, but so he could bridge the gap between relationship. So he could restore righteousness to bring us back into a right relationship with him. Imagine how he must feel when he died on the cross and all we really say to him is just, dear God. Dear God, it's the equivalent of, hey, man. His name's not God, it's Yahweh. God is just a title for deity. It, it's literally like saying, hey, man. And that's all we do. You know what Jesus called him? Jesus called him daddy. He called him father. In, in the Jewish language, there was a word they had for it called Abba. And, and what you'd have is just these Jewish men, you know, and, and out, out in the marketplace in, in, in those times, you know, um, It was a very proper time. So husbands didn't really show a lot of affection to their wives. Wives didn't show a lot of affection to husbands. Children had to be very proper. But when they got home, uh, the, the dad could sit on the sofa and the children would run up and they'd say, Abba, Abba, Father. And they'd sit on his lap and play with his beard. And just, they'd be so stoked to be with their dad in that moment. Guys, that's the relationship God has died for you to be in with him. And you might not even have a good relationship with your father here on earth, but Jesus is the ultimate father. And what you call him reflects how well you know him. I would challenge you when you pray, start, start saying more to him. Start calling him what you really feel about him. If you guys are wondering why I'm hitting this so hard, it's because I'm a church kid who grew up in the church and I know how easy it is to know a lot about God but not really know him intimately. I've seen so many kids come through this youth group who ended up being Christian atheists, Christians who said, yeah, I believe, but I don't really know God well. You know, I've even seen people go through this group who ended up becoming actual atheists. They don't believe it all anymore. And I don't wanna see you guys make that mistake. I wanna see you guys get to know Jesus better. Guys, when you get to know him better, amazing things start to happen. Your heart starts to break for the things that break his heart. You start to care about the things he cares about. You begin to have a burden for the outcasts in society in your world. You, you look at the kid sitting at the lunch table who has no friends. And instead of thinking like, man, I just wanna really spend lunchtime with my squad, you go and you share Jesus with them. Not necessarily by shoving the gospel down their throat, but by just starting a friendship, by just being there when no one else is there. Guys, I remember school. I remember there was always about every day about one or two kids who had no friends sitting with them. Guys, I bet you see it all the time. When you're at school, are you just focused on your own popularity, your own academic success, or are you looking around for the people who are hurting? You know, in our society right now, you know, there's people like kids in the homosexual community who are really struggling with their identity and who they are and and, and feeling like society rejects them in a lot of ways. And as Christians, should we look at them and say, oh, I can't stand you. Like, you're so annoying to me because you you have this thing. Or should we look at them as someone who's broken just like us, someone who needs a savior just like us? Shouldn't we go out of our way to reach the lost, especially those who wear their lostness on their sleeve? Shouldn't we go out of our way and bend over backwards to be Jesus to those people? When you start to really follow Jesus, you start to care about the poor and the homeless. When you sin, you don't beat yourself up about it. You you quickly correct yourself and you say, I shouldn't have done that. And then you run to Jesus for repentance. You ask God for forgiveness and you receive his power and you leave sin behind you. And, and every time you fall down in sin, you don't stay down, you get back up. You start to hear his voice and, and you start to be encouraged and, and corrected and guided by the spirit of God. You, when you start to really get serious about Jesus, guys, amazing things happen. You are become sensitive to his spirit throughout the day and you crave more and more of it. And church isn't a place that you have to go to because your friends are there or your parents make you or because you're trying to make yourself feel better about your sin. No, church is a place you want to go to because it's where you feel most connected to the body of Christ and it's where you get fueled up to go back out and be a light in your world. You see your gifts and your talents and your time and your money not as something that you have for your own gain. You see them as God-given gifts that you can use to bless and further God's kingdom. Stop seeing yourself as just Christian kids who go to church. Begin to see yourself as full-time missionaries. Somebody who's been planted in your school or your college or your job for the purpose of reaching people for Jesus. Throughout the day, if you sense God's spirit leading you towards good works and divine appointments he's prepared for you in advance, go for it and take them. Why? Because you know him intimately. You follow him wholeheartedly. The gospel good news about this, guys, is that this is actually not all that hard to do if we remember that God has revealed himself to us. It's not a game of hide and seek where you say to God, you know, God, I've got to find you so that you can show me what to do. I don't know what to do. God, show me, show me. I've got to search and and search for you so I can find your will. No, listen, God has already revealed himself to you through Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is, open up the gospel and read about Jesus. If you want to know who God is, look at the life and the way of Jesus. If you want to know what you should do as a Christian, what should I do with my life? Look at what Jesus did and then go and do that. We have everything we need to know exactly how to follow God in any situation through the teaching and example of Jesus. So what are the three different types? The first one is I know, or I, I, I believe in God, but I don't really know him. Listen, if that's you tonight, you're only one prayer away from knowing him. If you say tonight, I believe in God, but I, if I'm honest about it, I don't really know him well. You're one prayer away from getting on that path to starting to know him well. And listen, if you're someone who you want to follow God intimately and know him intimately and serve him wholeheartedly, you're just one prayer away from getting on that path. Because the Bible says when you seek him, he delights to reveal himself to you. Do you guys know why I do youth ministry? Like after 12 years, do you guys know why I still do youth ministry? People ask me like, are you ever gonna go start a church? Are you gonna be a senior pastor? No, I'm like, no, I'm one of those guys where at least for right now, the way I feel called is like, I'm gonna do youth ministry until I'm like 60. I'm gonna be the old guy who's like helping the younger youth pastors and giving them advice. I just, I feel so called to youth ministry because I look at you guys and I believe that you're not the church of tomorrow. I believe that you guys are the church of today. I believe that God is calling you to seek him. He wants to open your heart and your mind to who he really is and to show you all of his goodness. The Bible says every good gift comes from God and he wants to open your heart to that goodness. This is my prayer for you guys. The last two months, guys, we've been doing a series on prayer. Uh, we, We did a series on opening up our hearts to God through prayer and searching the Psalms and learning how to pray. But tonight I wanna share a different prayer for you. This is my prayer for you guys. It's in the Bible. It starts in Ephesians 1, 17. You can turn there if you wanna read along with me. In Ephesians one seventeen, this is Paul's prayer for his church, the Ephesians, just like I feel the same way about you guys, my youth group. Paul says, I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why does he say that? So that you can know him better. He says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance into his holy people and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. He says, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you can know God better and and the more that you know God better the more that you can grow because it pleases God when his children know him and when we know him. God will guide us into all truth. I pray that you guys would know God intimately and serve him wholeheartedly. That's my prayer for you guys. It's been my prayer for 12 years and it's gonna to continue to be my prayer for you guys. Let's pray tonight. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord in this time where we can discuss the things that we've learned tonight. God, I just pray for this group. God, I don't know where they're at, but God, I've been led to teach this message, throwing out the possibility that there could be some here who don't know you at all. Some here that know you, but they would admit if asked, they don't really know you well. God, I pray for those here who are in that boat right now, help them not to be discouraged. Help this not to be a message where they feel like just going home and and thinking, oh man, I'm going to hell now. God, help them to know that it's by grace that they're saved, but I pray they wouldn't have a saved soul and a wasted life. God, we can read books about you, We can go to concerts, we can go to camps, but unless we have an actual intimate relationship with you, what is it all for? God, I pray that we would know you. I pray we wouldn't be Christian atheists, but we'd be full on followers of Jesus Christ, servants of the most high God. We love you, God. I pray for these students here that you would fire up their hearts tonight to commit themselves to you to commit themselves, to follow you with everything they have. If anyone here has been backsliding in sin lately, giving into temptation, making compromises, God, help them to cut off all those weights and sins so that they can follow you wholeheartedly. And I pray that their friends in their small groups would encourage them to do that, that they would hold them accountable, God, that, they, that, they, that we would be honest and open with one another. Like we always say, let's be honest and open that we would speak truth into one another's life and that we would be open and honest about our own failures. God, I pray that we'd be a community of Christ followers here, not just a church youth group, but a community of followers who practice the way of Jesus. We love you, God, and we ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen, guys.